Take five. This movie is so bad, we couldn't even come up with an intro. Something about if you have sex while you're at a mech, does the mech hump? A what? Okay, first of all, I want to address something that you said. I don't think this movie is that bad. This movie's not great. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's a popcorn movie. Uh, welcome to Home Viewing. I'm John. I'm Bethany. And this is a podcast where we watch all of our movies in alphabetical order, and this is one that I went and got fairly recently from our hometown. Emphasis on all of the movies. <laughs> Only, only one of... No, this is one that we specifically... We wanted to watch this movie again because we had heard, you know, because of the new attractions at Disney and the sequels that are coming. And oh, yeah, let, let me tell you, I got so hyped for this, like, the dumb, like, like check people, and... Not dumb, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, you know, just the whole world creation and, like, a recent buzz about it because of the new park, and I was like, my view is not that bad. Okay, the movie was, that we watched today is James Cameron's 2009 Best Picture contender, Avatar. Contender. <laughs> Did not win anything. Well, it won Did. some stuff, but it didn't win Best Picture, which is the big Thank one. Thank God. Well, I, The Hurt Locker is a great movie. This Okay, let's, let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Everyone says that no one's talked about Avatar since 2009, and they didn't like really understand why we were, why Disney was building the park and all that. But the thing is, the world building and the world creation is very cool in this movie. Listen, you gotta maybe, love the, okay, the floating mountains. Maybe the world the world is nice and gorgeous, but the the substance behind it was not there. And I think that was the whole point of this park, is to create a culture that he didn't substantially build in the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, he so basically that he could was actually like, come out with new movies. Let's combine some Amazon people with Cherokees and let's see what happens there. Yeah, let's see how problematic that is. I felt really kind of skeezy watching the movie after realizing how close of a connection it was to like Oh, to like to like to uh, Native American or Native Native, Indian, Indian, Native and Mesoamerican yeah. like Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, a lot of the uh, a lot of the actors who played the Navi. I mean, first of all, let's yeah, get that this. one guy was. Yeah, no, um, the guy who plays Adrian, the uh, the chief, he's like a legendary Cherokee actor. He's like worked on the X Files and a bunch of different bunch of stuff. Um, let's let's get this out of the way too. I think there are two people of color in this movie who aren't blue. Only two. Colors not blue POC people. Yeah, Trudy, the uh, the pilot. Oh, uh, I guess. And then the Indian lab tech. <laughs> who, who is Indian American, to be clear. Like, he's, he doesn't have an Indian accent. Uh, I mean, there's... There's a lot of stuff about this movie that I like. There's a lot that works, and there's a lot that doesn't work. I was actually talking on the phone with Amanda about this on the way home. <laughs> and she was like, John, it's just blue Pocahontas. And I was like... Blue <gasps> to Pocahontas. To be fair, a lot of things are blue Pocahontas. It's, it's a white savior narrative. And you see that a lot in popcorn movies. Like, I mean, I'm going to call out one of the movies that you like a lot. You like The Last Samurai, right? I think if I rewatched it, I don't know how as into it I would have been. I think, <laughs> I, I think you would enjoy it because of, Chow, uh, because of the actor. 
think I would recognize the cinematic style a little better. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know. I mean, there are just so many movies where it's like, white person is coming in to invade someone's land. White person is set to forms a relationship with the culture that he's invading. White person switches sides and fights on the side of that culture and helps them either win or stave off destruction. But I did like, like when he first got there, he was like, yeah, I'm here to talk to you guys. He was like, they're like, mm, I just don't think so. Uh, uh, well, can we also talk about something else that I really liked about this movie? All of the tech. The tech looked like very plausible. Like, the spaceship design was realistic, like, up to, like, the solar sail and the mirrors and the spinning to simulate gravity. Okay. It was, like, a utilitarian spaceship, which you don't see a lot of. Like, I mean, Star Wars, you have, like, a lot of really, like, sleek ship designs, but that's because Star Wars isn't necessarily supposed to be, like, an extrapolation. This was extrapolatory, and extrapolation is this entire idea in sci-fi that take Earth and move it forward however many years, and this is what we'll be looking at. And if you looked at all of the technology, it was very recognizable as something that could have been extrapolated from here. Like, they still had those giant mining trucks. They had the, um, that spaceship design and stuff. A lot of it was actually taken from concepts that I've seen for, like, uh, Mars missions and things like that. For, like, very long-distance space travel. The idea of cryogenically sleeping for a long interstellar mission. Oh, huge eye roll on that one. What? You can't just... Okay, I guess, yeah, okay. Medically okay. induced coma. That's what it is. But you, you, okay, but people in a coma still, like, respirate. They still need energy. You still use, like, you can't just put yourself to sleep. But at the same time. Okay. No, there, if, there are okay. Ideas, no, it could work. It could work. Mm, Listen. No. People have discussed this as a possibility for long-term space travel, some form of, like, low-functioning, low-functioning, uh, sus- with sustenance or, like, nutrients and stuff, because you don't require as much energy for space travel. Space but I don't travel think you realize how high our metabolism is. The only reason that animals like amphibians can do it is because they have such a good way of regulating their metabolism. But, oh! Oh, it's just, I don't see how it's possible. I'm just saying, eventually we could get there. And that's something that the movie, like, with all of the Earth tech, that's something the movie is postulating. Like, there aren't any, like, laser weapons or anything. It's all projectile warfare. It's all... The space shuttle looks yeah, like a space I did, shuttle. Yeah, the, I did like that there wasn't, like, some weird laser crap. Yeah, like, and, like, ugh, the mechs, I, what do they call them? They call them power suits, exosuits? I don't know. I didn't, okay, another thing I didn't like is that they could just pop on the oxygen mask and just be fine in their atmosphere. I feel like it wouldn't be that simple. Well, so, as long as the atmospheric pressure is the same and it's no gases that are, like, corrosive to humans, it shouldn't be a problem. It was just a rebreather. Like, if you looked at it, it said rebreathing. Yes, I, I get that. So, like, it's it's more like they just need to form a vacuum seal around their respiratory systems. But that's not how that works. Yes, you respirate yes. through your skin. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I feel like it wouldn't be that simple. It just needs to, like, have a mm. oxygen mix. And I think... Even though it's not, like, exactly Earth atmosphere, it's probably fairly near Earth, so they can probably filter out some of the other stuff, too. I mean, think about how long humanity has, is implied to have been on Pandora. He's, he mentioned something about, like, how, in, in his very bad American accent, he mentioned something oh about, my God. it's like the stories you heard about Pandora when you were a kid. So they've been there for years and years, so they probably, like, adapted Pandora-specific tech. I mean, obviously they have, because they've had enough time to develop this Avatar program. 
Um, what did you think of the Avatar program? It wasn't very good. It didn't really... Oh, you mean, like, the fact that they could make these... Yeah. They, they I, like, I like the... Uh, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's cool because you notice Korea. they have, like, different numbers of... Thing- the Avatars have different numbers of fingers than the Na'vi, and they have, like, more human-like characteristics. So, like, you see this more on Sigourney Weaver's um, Avatar. She has, like, a very human face and nose, even though she's, you know, blue with cat ears and a tail. Can we also talk about how the person who designed this probably has some very specific fetishes? No, we can't talk about it. We can't Sorry. talk about that? No. Is that? Is that vetoed? Okay, um... <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen Avatar in a while... Please don't. Do it! No! I think that you should. You'll be very disappointed in the CGI. That is the one thing. This cost... This almost cost $300 million. million. And look what it looks like! It looks so bad! It does not look as bad as you think it does. Uh. It looks the worst... When you have humans on the scene right next to Navi. Yeah. The compositing is the problem. But there is, you know, I have a hot take. I have a hot take here. How do you? The CGI in this looks better than the horse chase in The Last Jedi. Yeah, that was all over the place. Yeah. But I think that's, what, that's no, what I'm saying. See, what people have realized is that practical actually does make CGI look better. Mm-hmm. Like when you have things that are like real relatable to the objects that you are trying to use CGI with. Well, yeah, I mean, look at all the matte paintings they did on The Force Awakens. Like, that is, like, that made those environments very real. Um, oh. Like, so, I guess, so much... I'd, be, I'd definitely be, would be willing to see the new ones, just because maybe they'll have learned with technology and all that. They've been billed as, like, an intergenerational Godfather-style saga, which, uh, Yeah. Yeah, I love a sci-fi family story. <sighs> you don't seem as into it. But, I mean, just think about it. Think about how much we could get into... Well, I mean, that is the problematic part. The Navi are really going to have to develop their own culture. Yeah. They're really going to have to develop a culture that's not entirely derivative of, um, of American indigenous people. There is... Uh, I mean, okay, I know Quaritch is supposed to be the bad guy, but he describes them as an aboriginal horde, and that just, God, that makes my blood boil. And he talks about, like, blowing a crater so deep in their racial memory, it just makes my blood boil. And then, you know, the entirely, pretty much entirely white human crowd well, you just know, yells, Oorah, yeah! You know, all that, like, gung-ho armies, maybe, army marine stuff. Maybe the other problem is they didn't develop the villain enough. Maybe really? you were just, yeah, maybe you're just kind of like, well, these guys are stupid and well, they just can't attack about, them. They don't have good motivation. You gotta think about when this came out, though. This came out in 2009, which means it was de- in development probably from like 2004, I would say. I'm, I'm sure the sto- I don't know when the story was started to be developed, but that was in the middle of the Iraq War. A war. I don't remember because I was very young. Well, just think. Think about the villain. The villain has a Texas drawl. He's a Marine who works for corporate overlords, basically. I mean... Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq War, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, unobtainium is just space oil. You 
you look excited about this, and I don't really see. You don't see it. You don't see the way that. I mean, it's. I guess, like loosely. Loosely, I mean, it's a resource grab in a country that isn't as developed as Earth is. A country that hasn't but, turned its back on nature entirely. A planet that hasn't turned its back on nature entirely. Like, and it's a Texan villain. Come on, the dude is. The dude is a more militaristic George W. Bush. A George W. Bush that didn't draft dodge. That's funny. Is that like a theme of Republican presidents? They just draft <laughs> No, I, I think you could call that thing a Republican. I mean, God, the develop the villain wasn't like super developed, but that's because he fits pretty neatly into a pretty standard sci-fi and but like that's trope. So bo- that's so boring. It's so boring. The fact that it like, it's a trope. You just said the word trope, so, like, it's just, like... Okay, I mean, to be fair, unobtainium is also a trope, but they didn't, literally didn't want to name it anything else other than the name of what the trope already was. Okay, but... This movie, this movie checks a lot of pretty standard boxes. But, like... That final battle, though... And live... Something you're gonna find out about me as we get further into this, especially, like, once we get to the Lord of the Rings trilogy... Oh, no, that's... Those battles are like five hours. He loves a final battle. He loves a well shot, well done, well executed, and story interesting final battle. You won't find him there. What? <laughs> <laughs> How about <clears throat> We'll get to that when we get to Lord of the Rings. But, um, that's something that worked for me in this movie, is it took like. A lot of the scenes, one of my best military sci-fi films, one of my favorite military sci-fi films, is Starship Troopers, which is itself a satire of military sci-fi, and, like, making the point that this jingoistic slaughter of aliens, wholesale slaughter of aliens, isn't a good thing, and sort of allows us to really go for the baseness of humanity. And I felt like the way that the character, uh, the uh, soldiers and marines were characterized in this was very similar to the ones in Starship Troopers, specifically... The one that's on the door gun with uh, with Trudy and Jake, um, who's just like specifically there because he wants to kill shit. That I felt that a lot. Like who was a uh, you know scared of the nature, and you know I thought his end was fitting, getting uh, pummeled and stomped and stomped on by a hammerhead rhino, Ugh, breaking through the mech suit. Ugh. Maybe maybe there wasn't enough creatures. There's only like four. There were more than four. There were. Mm. I count. Okay, okay. It's like a variation. Of okay, we had Hammerhead. We had the monkeys. We had the Thanator. We had the Ikron. Oh, the monkeys. We had the horse. Weird. We had the hyenas. We had the the ones that look like Houdini. The hyenas. They're dogs. Yeah, the hyenas. They were dog hyenas. And then there was the one bird that he kills. The the like landbound bird, where he's I like, that. I will I will give you I will I appreciate your sacrifice. Now join Awa, where he does like the ritual killing basically. Um, during the hunt. Something that I noticed on this watch is a lot of the stuff that Natiri teaches him when he's learning how to become a warrior like directly aids him in the final battle. Like it's directly called back to. The one scene in particular is when she jumps down from the tree and like slides down on the leaves. When he's shot out of the sky, he slides down on those leaves to like pat his fall. And it's like a callback that I haven't noticed in my previous watches. And like, I watched this probably about four times in 2009 oh when it came gosh. out. Oh gosh. I, I think didn't, this is a Or 2010. Like, I think 
this was I didn't see this in theaters actually. Did you no. See it in theaters? Mm-hmm. No, I saw it on a small screen, which a lot of people told me was a mistake. I don't think I missed that much. Yeah. Well, like, there was like I uh, okay. I would think I would have liked to seen this in three D. Yeah, that's what everyone said is you had to see it in three D. But back and then, they re released like, it in three D and everything, and still didn't go. But. <sighs> The first time I saw this was on an airplane. It was definitely a big mistake. Oh, yeah. And this is only my second time seeing it. This is your third time seeing it, because we watched it a couple couple months ago, remember? Yeah, we watched it. I don't remember. We might have fallen asleep. Probably. Anyway. Not hard to do in this movie. It's pretty it's hard to do in this movie. very blue and relaxing. Okay, yeah. The color palette is very relaxing until they blow up home tree. Still very relaxing. Really? You love forest fires, babe? Hey, forest fires are an essential part of the forest. If you don't have forest fires, things overgrow. If it's a natural, an unnat, you love man-made, arson-committed forest fires. People, no, no, I know, okay, I I, I know that the Forestry Service does Does do controlled burns, but a rainforest like that isn't supposed to have a fire like that, and it's not supposed to get rid of a tree that big that is the home of an indigenous society. I mean, you don't know what space fires are like. Coming this fall. Space fire. That's a thing. Could be a thing. We're gonna pitch that later. So, did you like anything about this movie? I liked when they were trying to save Scorny Weaver and they were doing that weird, like, slaying thing. Yeah, when all their braids are, like, connected to the tree. Yeah. I, I I did like the. The whole spiritual connection to nature. Well, it's because it's more than a spiritual connection. It's a literal, like, connection that sends... Electrical connection that sends, like, data back and forth. So, like, it's interesting because they talk about their deity. It's not even, like, fully a deity. It's more like the memories of their ancestors are, like, all stored within the forest. and the, Which is very cool. Which kind of, like... It's pretty real. Yeah, I mean, when you think about religion, religion is stories that have been told and memories and explanations of natural phenomena. And it's, like, a code to live by that we've sort of ascertained from our environment. Like, it seems like this gives a reasonable explanation as to why you could develop a religion around, like, an all-knowing Earth Mother sort of thing. You know? It's... That would be the original religion. I mean, it's like, interesting, though, because they they don't super get into... It's, it's, like, hinted at that it's, like, the telepathic connection is, like, it's, well, it's not entirely telepathic because it's through the fiber optics that are in their braids and that are in all the, like, environment around them. Um, and they sort of explore that in the first scene where they go out there in Avatar form and are, like, measuring the data being sent from plant to plant, which is pretty cool. I like that they, like, came up with a scientific explanation for that. <laughs> Even if it is... Science. science fiction science. But I have I have a bone to pick with some of the character de- uh, the creature and character design though. Do you want to do you want to know what my bone is? Sure. Okay. So all the animals, pretty much all of them, they don't breathe through nostrils. They breathe through like sacks on their chest that like open and close that seem to be like a direct corridor to where their lungs would be. Similarly, all the animals have, like, more than two eyes. They all have, like, four eyes, pretty much. You don't like that? No, 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 I like that, I like that. And, but at the same time, 
everything on this planet seems to have some sort of fiber optic connection. So they can all interface with each other. And a lot of these animals are like not entirely mammalian or not entirely mammalian. They seem to be more like they seem to be more like uh, insectoid or reptilian in nature. So, keeping all that in mind, how do we get the Navi? We have a seemingly humanoid species with some cat, with some right, cat-like qualities, it, I got it. Right. and they have they have nostrils. They don't have lungs. They have two oh, eyes, wait, not I've four. I got it. I got it. What have you got? Right. <clears throat> just, just, just stretch. Okay. So you know how the Russians, okay, they probably sent a cat up at some point, right? Yeah. Okay. Cat orbits around for a little bit, finds a backwards orbit, slows down time. He flies he around? He oxygenates, turns <laughs> he, blue. He, he it's fly, a tabby, obviously. So he, he flies he, around he flies the like Superman. Backwards. backwards. So he goes backwards. <laughs> in his little space cabin. Okay. And then, you know, five years later, ends up on whatever planet it is, and because cats are magic, he just automatically adapted and it kind of morphed him into this thing called a Navi. And then he, he put his fiber optic tail into the tree. Wow, you really like that one. Well, it's funny to me because you know, I can tell this other Hey guys, this is John. Just wanted to let you know, I probably shouldn't have talked about that on mic, so I cut it out. I'm going to have to beep that out. I'm going to have to beep that name out because I used a real name there. See, if you were just gone with it, no one would ever know. They'd be like, beep name is... Listen, I'm going to beep it. <laughs> anyway. I'll figure it out. Where are we? Russian cats? Ah, uh, cats. So you're saying this is like a Planet of the Apes situation? Ooh. Where the cat found a wormhole and went back uh, in speaking time? Speaking of Planet of the Apes, I really liked the one that I saw at the drive-in with one of the newer ones. It was actually really good. What was it, Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Or I don't know. Planet of the Apes? There are so many of them now. They were in cages, and someone set them free, and Tom Felton was in it. Oh, was James Franco in it, too? I don't know. That was probably before I recognized who James Franco was. Anyway. Franco. What's our, what's our next? Okay. Um, Bad accents? Do we want to go there? Or was that already covered? You never stop being a Marine. You get out, but you don't stop. Couldn't we have just kept his original accent? Well, you see, I don't, yeah, I don't think he... I think we could have. I don't think he needed to be American for it to no. work. I feel like that, I mean, it helped, because there is one... Oh, can we talk about how they mentioned, I saw you were in Venezuela. That was some mean bush. The implication that there's going to be, like, Marines in Venezuela at some point in the future. Could be sooner... Listen, I don't like the idea of the U.S. Marines invading my, invading my ancestral continent, okay? From ancestral continent, not country. Uh, South America? What is a continent? Uh, also, like... Well, they're probably already there. Blue-facing instead of, for all the POC, like, like I said, there are only two people of color. Zoe Saldana tends to be on the side she of the can't be in a movie. She's not allowed to be in a movie. Without being blue or green. Yeah, exactly. Not a space movie, anyway, with the exception of Star Trek. It's... And then... Here's something Here's something that that made me feel weird watching it. Uh, Sam Worthington's character, Jake Sully, is in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah! This is when I was sitting there, and we were like, that can't be great for people who are actually disabled. 
Yeah, they like, feel like this, this is their biggest. He thinks it's his biggest handy, like not to be. Yeah. Well, so uh, he sees the opportunity of being an avatar driver as an opportunity to walk again, and like when you think about his backstory, like he's a veteran who lost his legs in combat. He's not someone who was born with this, so he's had to like live life. Yeah. As and, like, and his motivation wasn't oh I can't stand this. It was oh I could essentially walk again and, you know, do the things I used to do, which... And, like, it's a really touching scene when he realizes that he can walk again. But why is that scene so touching? That's that's something that I just had to sort of interrogate with No, myself. it rubbed me the wrong way. It's, like, very, like, it's very lovingly shot. The music is good. The... It's like he <sighs> definitely still would have had self-worth in a wheelchair, but it... I don't know. And, like, it lampshades the fact that, like, oh, ableism against handicapped people is a real thing. Like, when he when he shows up, like, and is wheeling through the tarmac, there are comments from the soldiers about, you know, watch it hot rod or meals on wheels mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it ends with a disabled person becoming able again. And it's like... Yeah. <sighs> okay. Like, how long have we gone now? We're like, 26 minutes? Do you have anything else you really want to say about the movie? Anything about Sigourney Weaver? Well, funnily enough, I didn't really know who Sigourney Weaver was until Finding Dory. Really? You had seen Alien before that. Yeah, but that's a really old movie. So then, because then, like, Finding Dory, an excellent movie. No, I thought you were talking about Alien. Alien is an excellent movie. So is Finding Dory. Anyway, they could be like. Finding Dory is a. And then, I have Sigourney Weaver. What? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? It's a cash grab sequel. It was cute. It made a lot of money. It was cute. It was good. Is it in my top five or like even top ten Pixar? Probably not. Did I say it was? You said it was an excellent movie. An excellent movie. Every Pixar movie is an excellent movie. What about Cars? Except for Cars. That's the (laughs) one exception that... You three mean the three part, exceptions? Three part. I don't, I don't know what they were doing there. Most people agree. Cars just. Bad. It's what John Lasseter wanted to make, apparently. It's. Uh, I don't get it. it ha- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Gotta go fast. But I feel bad because there's all these like children that love cars. Well, I and mean like, that's. I mean and that's cool. Like if you're a kid who wants to love cars, sure. But, it's, but like, it's like Brave Little Toaster made inanimate objects come to life and be lovable and not dumb. Like, it's a thing. Oh, that movie was sad. Anyway. <laughs> Which I would argue the junkyard scene in Toy Story 3 was kind of aped for Brave Little Toaster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As I was watching Toy Story 3 with my 3D glasses, I was like, this is so ridiculous. And then you're like, it's like a tear rolls down your face. You're like, why am I even upset right now? It felt a very Lord of the Rings to it was, me at it the It was end. a big setup. Oh, God. That movie. I cried so much. That I didn't cry during this movie. I cried during a lot of movies. Why would you cry during this movie? I didn't cry during this one. That's another problem with this movie. You don't get emotionally invested in anyone, really. Like, you feel bad for the Navi, but it's not enough to be like, 
Oh my god. But I mean, and the other thing is, too, they don't translate every time the Navi speak. Which, yeah. that's that's a bone I have to pick with a lot of movies. Either translate all of it or translate none of it. And well, like, I like it as a device when there's one thing the important person says to another person that speaks that language, and you don't know what it is, and then they reveal it, like, later. Like, that's kind of cool. But, yeah, there were some things that weren't translated, and I was like, why would you just randomly not translate that? And I feel like there was a lot of communication among the Navi that was just screaming and hissing. And it was yeah. like, I love the catness of it all, but... <laughs> no. We don't own any of those movies. Oh, dang it, I gotta go buy one. <laughs> J-Law. We stand for J-Law. Speak for yourself. Okay, fine, we stand a little bit for... I kind of stand for j I stand for J-Law's good performances. That's all I ask of you. <sighs> okay. Um, you know... They kill a lot of people of color, both blue and non-blue. Like, they kill one of the two human people of color. I mean, are there any, like, film devices that you noticed? It's pretty just much, it's pretty just, like... Well, I mean, great establishing shots, great aerial camera work. Oh, what about the trippy scene? What trippy scene? Every movie has a trippy scene. There wasn't a trippy scene. There's someone where he did the... Did... Oh, yeah, the bioluminescence! I loved all the bioluminescence in this movie. No, there was the one where they're in the fight, and then it, like, it's slow. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. How could you God. forget? No, well, I was going to get to that. You said trippy. That's not trippy to me. Oh. To me, it's heavy-handed and dumb. When they're pulling Jake out of the Avatar body forcefully, uh, Norm, who's this nerdy scientist, not really a warrior or anything, punches the tech who's trying to pull... Uh, punches the uh, military person who's trying to pull them out, and as he launches the punch, mid-shot, the color palette goes from <laughs> colorful to, like, a, a dimmed grayscale, and slow motion, and it's just the worst slow motion I've ever seen, and it's supposed to be for dramatic effect, and, like, it doesn't work. I think that's the only device it's just in bad. the movie. Well, I mean, only time they use it that heavy-handedly. And they do do some, like, really effective slow motion later on. Like, in the final battle scene, uh, there's the scene where Sute, the uh, leader of the Navi, he he jumps off of his Ikran, his Banshee, and into the back of the shuttle, and, you know, takes out three of the guys with his bow, but then he's shot down, and, like, falls through the sky to the ground, and it's, like, a really, it's, like, really evocative moment. Okay, I don't know why do we need two names for this one thing? Like, why do we have, like, English name, English name and, and native name. Why would you just because call it they the would have developed name? separately? Why? Why would you need that? You could just call it what they call it. Okay, but like at the same time, we, that's a thing. That's a thing here. Like you have okay, Ayers yeah. rocking. You have Ayers rocking Uluru in um, Australia. Like uh, let's see, you have. But an armadillo is an armadillo. Is it armadillo? came from Spanish. Oh, I don't it know. It probably didn't come, come from the native. Yeah, yeah no. Know. Who knows? Different languages develop different names for different things. That's just the way it works. And frankly, they probably encountered the wildlife before they before they learned Navi. It's just the truth. Okay. I think we spent longer on... Oh my god. That's the truth. 
baby. There's Sun Culture ones. It, I don't know if it's Sun Culture, but it looks like Sun Culture on the TV. Not darn Google. It's got uh, all the good food. I'm eating Colombian food on the day that this comes out. I'm so excited because it's World Cup season, baby. Uh, basically, go. Viva los cafeteros! I think that's the last, that's the main message I want you to get from this this episode, is cheer for Colombia or you're dead to me. Um, what did you call them? Cafeteros? Los cafeteros. Cafeteros? No, cafeteros. The coffee, coffee. man. The coffee <gasps> man. Really? Yeah, the, yeah, los cafeteros. Oh, I can get behind that. Exactly. Alright, uh, Avatar rating. Out of five bioluminescent fairies. Oh, that's not fair, because I like fairies and brains. You want me to give it first? Yeah, you do your first. Three. It's middle of the Oh, uh, okay, yeah, me too. Yeah, two. it's like... I'm doing two. Yeah. I was going to do 2.5, but definitely just two. It's like... It's a good popcorn flick. Like, that... But that's all it is. It was a huge leap in technology at the time, but it's kind of like at the time, it was kind of heralded the same way we kind of herald Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane oh, was great. God. Citizen Stop Kane was great it. because of its mise-en-scene and its dolly shots, but it didn't have it didn't have that much quality beyond uh. the leap forward in technology, and I think it's the same thing here. It's a great it's a great demonstration of where filmmaking was going but. at the time, and it is still going now, but Unlike, it didn't have too much substance. Okay, but unlike Citizen Kane, this is going to have more worth in a little while because there's going to be more movies and there might be more insight to the first movie. We're like, oh, that's why they did that. Even if it wasn't the motivation when they made the movie, it's going to have more substance just because they're trying to build something from it. Oh, yeah, no. It's such a, like, lovingly built world. It's frankly a shame that it's taking this long to play for them to play around in it more. Uh, Outside actually, of, you know, the Cirque du Soleil show. I think this is the right time. If they had done it all back then, I think it would have gotten, like, overshadowed by something else, probably. I mean, this was right at the beginning of the Marvel boom. I think it was very smart of him to build, to somehow finagle the theme park first, because now I am way more invested. I will say, it is cool that James Cameron was just like, you know, I'm going to take a break from making movies for a while and just, like, hang out underwater. So maybe he'll get someone to, like, write the next one. <laughs> underwater? What did he do? You know he's the one who, well, I mean, part of why he filmed the Titanic was so that he could get, like, a submersible and go down to see the Titanic. I think he went to the Marianas Trench as well. He loves, like, the ocean. He loves the ocean. Um, I think that's it. Uh, we're a member of the Pocket Podcast Network, so check out the shows on there. I actually have been giving a few of them a listen. There's a new one called Space Mart. It's just, like, an audio comedy about 15 minutes long per episode um, about... Employees in a space retail store. Feels like feels like it might actually gel with the Avatar universe. <laughs> um, and then avocado toast, which is you know, take a bite out of that one. Ah, political commentary from two from two millennial. I don't know. They identify themselves as Gen Z. I'm not really sure about the divide. Um, they're younger than us. Whatever that is. They're younger than us. But yet more informed than us on a lot of these topics. So That's a lot of people. I got stuff to do. <laughs> hey, who does our theme song, Ben? Those organ boys. The organ machines. Mm-hmm. They're a band local to Atlanta. They play shows all the time. If you're in the area, make sure to look them up. And what are we doing next week? 
what are we doing next week? Well, you're gonna. It's gonna be bittersweet for you because I don't think you like this movie much, but I think you like one of the boys a lot. Is that every movie we've done so far? It's Avengers: Age of Ultron. That's the one that I liked the most before the new one, right? Yeah, that's the one you liked the most before the new one. So, yeah, it had the twins. It has a. Uh, we love those twins. Love the twins. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. This has been Home Viewing. We come out every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Bye. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.